Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I have a really special episode that I'm excited to share with you. Today, I'm talking with Miriam Drury. That's how you pronounce it, right? I should have asked you beforehand. <laughs> An author who has written several books that we'll chat about today, including one called Social Anxiety Revealed, which is how we originally connected. Miriam, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Sadie. Um, I'm delighted to be here. I'm um, so honored. I'm also a bit nervous. But... Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will completely understand being nervous on an interview, even within the social anxiety podcast context. <laughs> totally understandable. Welcome to your social anxiety bestie, the show about showing up, even when we're scared. I'm Sadie, and I'm here to share the truth about what it's like to live with social anxiety disorder. I was diagnosed with severe social anxiety and perfectionism in 2018, and since then I've been nerding out on all things anxiety and healing. My goal is to help you feel less alone and give you tips to face your own social fears wherever you are on your journey. I hope today's episode reminds you that even though social anxiety is lonely, you are not alone. Let's jump in. I thought that um, sort of to set the stage for you guys, I would read you Miriam's author bio um, because when I read it, it's so relatable. Like you guys will see when we get into her book and the stuff that she's done, it's just, it feels like she was in my brain putting my experience into words. And I think that a lot of you will get that same feeling. So I'm going to read you her bio. So here it goes. When Miriam Drury says she loves to perform, people don't believe her. When she says she's not shy, they think she's delusional. The fact is, things ain't what they seem. A witch called social anxiety took away her ability to be spontaneous, but it didn't change her exhibitionist nature. You need to watch her dancing or speaking before an audience to understand that. Fortunately, she has found an outlet for her thoughts in writing, a solitary activity with multiple recipients. She never doubted her ability to write, but only in recent years has she managed to gather her views and observations together into papier mache balls worth throwing far and wide. If you ignore the witch of social anxiety, life has been good to Miriam, especially since she made the decision to move from the UK to Israel. She has a wonderful husband, three lovely children, and a delightful house. She loves to read, travel, hike, and dance. She has worked in computer programming and technical writing and now enjoys the freedom and versatility of creative writing. And she believes passionately in raising awareness of social anxiety. I admire you so much. And I'm, I can't believe this is the first time that we're talking face to face because I admire your work so much. And your line about um, social anxiety took away your ability to be spontaneous, but it didn't change your exhibitionist nature. I, ha I hadn't heard anyone put it that way, but that's my experience too. So thank you for writing what you write. Thank you. I, uh, I admire you a lot because you do stuff that, that I could never do. <laughs> well, I, I, I used to, I would have said the same thing. Like I could never have a podcast. I would have said the same thing three years ago. So I think we surprise ourselves. Okay. So I would love to hear more about how you created and wrote Social Anxiety Revealed. And I think listeners will really appreciate hearing it. Can you tell us what inspired you to write the book in the first place? Well, in about 2003, I joined this online forum. It was soon after 
I heard about, I heard the term social anxiety. Well, when I say soon after, it actually took a few months before I even thought of it or summoned up the courage. Mm. Anyway, but I joined this, finally joined this online forum for people with social anxiety. And I learned a lot from reading the posts. Um, one thing that struck me was what everyone said when they joined the forum. I thought I was the only one. Mm. And I thought it was such a shame that, that people were struggling with this on their own when, when they didn't know there was a whole community out there of people who could help and support and empathize. Yeah. Also, there were many posts on the forum about being misunderstood in the wider community. Uh, I became passionate about raising awareness of social anxiety. And for me, writing was the obvious way to do that. Well, what was the process of actually reaching out to the contributors like? I began by trying to find about five contributors who would agree to be interviewed for the book. Um, but I didn't get much interest. And I think they were all afraid of being found out. Mm. So um, then I changed it. I, I decided to, to have uh, lots of people in it and, and put the quotes, disperse them all over the book. Mm. And, uh, and that worked much better. Then I got a better response. Yeah, I did that because, because it was important for me to get a wide variety of views. Yeah, not just mine. We're all, we're all, although we've all got this thing in common, we're all different. I think it all worked very well in the end. I was happy with the format. And after that, I had all, all that. Then, I, then I, I just had to put all the information together and add uh, text of my own, mm -hmm. which after, because I used to be a technical writer, so I was used to that sort of thing. So that, that was quite mm. easy. I'm really curious to know if you learned anything new about yourself or about social anxiety while you were writing the book. Well, I learned plenty about myself and social anxiety by reading the posts on the forum. Mm. Um, and the book was an amalgamation of all that. So, yeah, on the forum, there, there were so many posts that I read and I thought, wow, me too. Yeah. And in fact, I responded with that, and, and so did many others, and we all felt connected together somehow. But another thing I learned was how lucky I've been, because despite everything, I, I've had a really good life. I felt so sorry for all the members who've been through hell because of social anxiety. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. Um... My experience is is more like your experience where you know for for like there there have been challenges absolutely but life has been good um mm. and reading some of the um experiences of the people in the book i i i think it really drove home for me how dark it can be and how hard at, at more severe levels so mm. and like combined with other life experiences I like what you said also about, wow, me too. I feel like that could be the slogan for the book. <laughs> wow, me too. What do you hope readers will take away from the book when they read it? Understanding. Mm. I want the so-called sufferers to, to understand what they're suffering from and, and non-sufferers to understand 
us. In general, I think the world would be a much better place if people could understand where others are coming from and the, why they think the way they do. And that applies equally or even more so to social anxiety, which is so misunderstood. Yeah, despite being, as it said in the description of your book, in the mental health table, it comes third after alcoholism and depression. And yet most people don't even know it exists. So there's lots of us. We're just a little bit quiet about sharing it, <laughs> understandably. Okay, and then right before we jump into some quotes that I want to share, uh, where is the book available right now to buy? Yeah, it's currently on Smashwords and Barnes and & Noble and Apple and Google and Kobo. Sometime in the future, I hope soon, I'm going to put it on Amazon too, but I just haven't had time for that. Yeah, I, I bought it on Kobo, um, so definitely check it out on Kobo. Um, yeah. Okay, so if it's all right with you, I'd like to read some excerpts from the book now. Okay, so the first one I chose is um, some analogies that you used to describe ang social anxiety. Um, so one of the ones that's written is a force pushing you back whenever you want to get close to anyone or a glass box. You can hear and see the world, but can't interact with it or an unwanted visitor who just turns up. You realize it's thinking of staying, but you don't know how to get rid of it. You try hard. Sometimes you think it's gone, but then it comes back or a computer virus. You don't realize it's there until you find you can't do things you used to do. Only support and hard work can help to restore those functions. I've never seen like so many analogies for it before. There's something for everyone, the way that everyone sort of visualizes it. I love that. That's, um, that's early in the book. And then the other one, if, you're, if you guys are hearing ruffling of paper, it's because I printed out um, screenshots from the, the ebook. I didn't want to try to read it on my phone. Okay, another one is about me. So this is Miriam describing herself. In a course on assertiveness and emotional intelligence, I heard of a French expression that seemed to relate to me, ne pas se sentir dans sa peau, not feeling good in one's skin. I tried to find a similar expression in English and the best one seemed to be living a lie, which is a bit off-putting when you've always thought that lies are bad. But this lie is one that I purposely haven't told. What I mean is that the person you see on the outside isn't the one on the inside. I suppose that's true of any, S-A-R, which is the term in the book for anyone with social anxiety. But it's truer for those who remember being different, however long ago that might have been. I remember being an outgoing child. I was never afraid to talk to anyone. Social anxiety appeared around the age of 14. It comes up on you gradually, like a snake wrapping itself around you while you sleep. By the time you notice it, it's too late to shake it off. I've lived with social anxiety ever since, although I only discovered the term for it at the age of almost 50. I almost get emotional reading this. Like it's, it just hits me so, so deeply. Okay, this other section is on contradictions and it really also struck me. I found it hard to understand myself. I can dance in the center of a crowded room without caring whether anyone is watching me or perhaps even hoping that they are. I can give a presentation that I prepared in advance and even enjoy the sound of my voice. Yet I can't talk to anyone without sounding scared. In 2004, when I wrote the first draft of this book, I said, I don't know how to share my feelings with anyone, possibly even myself. I think I'm better at that now, although extracting the feelings is still a struggle. Unlike me, 
most people with social anxiety don't like to be the center of attention, but social anxiety con causes contradictions in all of us. And then it moves into a quote um, from the forum, from someone in the forum. And they wrote, I am alone, yet I am not a loner. I want to be loved, yet I push people away. Internally, I'm strong, yet outwardly I'm weak. I have an ego, yet I feel inferior to others. I can be self-absorbed, yet always prefer to talk to someone about themselves rather than myself. I find myself thinking of a way to gain pity, yet hate it if someone shows pity towards me. I don't like being the center of attention, yet I crave every, anyone's attention. I'm not tactile, yet long for human touch. It's a little scary. Like, are you guys feeling what I'm feeling as you hear that? Especially the part about, um, like, you can dance in a crowded room. You don't care if anyone's watching, or you might even like it. I, I had never heard anyone else with social anxiety talk about that before. Like I, I was the maid of honor at my best friend's wedding in 2019 down in Maryland. I live up in Canada and um, I was going to do a speech, a toast. And that made me nervous. So instead of just like trying to get okay with doing the speech, I decided to write a parody song set to the tune of you're welcome from the movie Moana but like all the words were changed to match the bride, my best friend. So I was going to sing in front of a hundred people. And then I had the music all set up with the DJ, but by the time like it, it came time to sing, the music failed and it was the wrong version of the song. So I had to just do it without music. And I was terrified, but I also loved it. And I kind of thought like in the past, I've thought that that made me crazy or I've like, I've thought things about myself, like you're fake, you're crazy, you're manipulative. Um, and it, it wasn't until like therapy, but also now your book that I realize it's, it's not just me. Like, wow, me too. Uh, everyone's different. I mean, most of the people who were on the forum, they, they were all so shy. They, they wouldn't have tried anything like that. Um, not everyone, we're all different. Yeah, exactly. Like social anxiety disorder is not a personality trait. Mm -hmm. So there can be variations despite the experience. So I love mm -hmm. that. There's only one more quote. This is from a therapist, um, a psychologist and an expert in CBT named Sophie Merum. Um, she, I'm actually quoting now. She ran the group therapy that I attended and specializes in social anxiety. In response to my questions, she told me that she has been helping people with social anxiety for over 20 years, having chosen that field and method of therapy for several reasons. People with social anxiety are nice, she said, and they usually don't know that it is possible to get help for their problems. They usually respond well to therapy and I enjoy being able to help them. I just wanted to share that um, just sort of on an optimistic, encouraging note that yes, like, Social anxiety, first of all, doesn't mean that you're a terrible person, obviously, um, and it responds well to therapy. Okay, now we're going to move into social anxiety in general. So if you're comfortable, Miriam, could you tell us some of the ways social anxiety has impacted your life? Yeah, well, that's a big question, because oh. um, I feel as if Social anxiety has impacted on every aspect of my life. Um, and that's because it's made talking difficult and everything involves talking. Yeah. Um, 
And the most difficult thing has been, well, interviews. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. But especially job interviews. Uh, I don't know how I ever managed to, to find a job or jobs, lots mm -hmm. of jobs, actually. But somehow I did. Um, I think it helped uh, when there were written tests, so, uh, so mm. they, they didn't rely solely on the interview. Uh, what else? Social anxiety has led to me being embarrassed many times. It mm. led to misunderstandings, as I've said. Um, there's not much I can do that doesn't involve social anxiety. Yeah. Uh, well, we've mentioned the, the folk dancing. I, I love dancing. And I go regularly when it's not stopped by a pandemic. Right. Um, but I, I know it also involves meeting people and, and talking. And while I like to do that, I tend to make a mess of conversations. I think it's extremely brave and, and wonderful that you were willing to show up for this interview. I know that interviews, interviews are terrifying for everybody. Like I get scared when I get interviewed by people. I get scared and nervous before I interview people. Like before our interview today, I was like, I was doing breathing. I was drinking tea and I was like, I can do this. Um, but your, your message is so important that you showed up and you showed up scared. And I, I think that's so inspirational and, um, and it's okay to be scared. and It's okay to be awkward, um, but we're here anyway, and we understand each other and the listeners understand. So it's just, it's a really special interview. Okay. What do you wish other people, loved ones, friends, anybody really knew about social anxiety? No one chooses to have social anxiety. People have said they, they thought I was happy being quiet. They've said about others, oh, don't worry about him. It's his choice to be like that. Yes, and I remember that part of the book. That's why I keep repeating. No one chooses to have social anxiety. Yes. Uh, there's plenty more that I'd, that I'd like people to know. People might think they're being good by not forcing you out of your comfort zone. Mm. When really you're hoping that they'll do exactly that. Yeah. Being in the, the comfort zone is a pretty boring place. Very relatable. No one chooses social anxiety. Um, that made me think of a part of the book that I didn't, I didn't print any quotes for that part of the book, but um, like the difference between shyness and social anxiety and someone who may just be sort of temperamentally inclined towards being quiet and reserved versus someone who is trapped by social anxiety. I mean, that's those, like, I'm just paraphrasing what I remember from the book. I may not be completely capturing it, but um, that, that resonated with me too. Okay. Looking back over the years, is there anything you wish you could tell a younger version of yourself about social anxiety? For example, I often think about my teenage self when I'm writing my, my, my content. Well, yes, because when I was 14, it was when I made the decision to be quiet, to keep quiet, um, because I was fed up with being bullied. I thought if I didn't talk, then I, could be, I couldn't be teased for the things I said, because I didn't yeah. say anything. So I kept quiet in class and out of class and it worked and the book bullying gradually died out and what I would now tell my 14 year old self is don't do it because keeping quiet made me afraid of talking and led to social anxiety yeah I put up with the bullying a bit longer I believe I wouldn't have suffered from social anxiety all my life 
that must be a hard one to look back on because like now you have the benefit of hindsight whereas mm -hmm. in the moment you you know you were doing the best you could with what you knew but now you can look back and, and see what it led to that's exactly that's a tough one yeah yeah well thank you so much for talking about social anxiety that's sort of our heavier heavier more raw and real part of our chat today but we're going to move into something a little lighter a little newer um, Miriam is also a writer of non-social anxiety topics um, and you've she has several other books in her collection including a book that at the time of recording, it's coming out tomorrow, I think, April 26th. We're recording on April 25th. This episode will air on April 30th. So by the time you hear it, the book will be out and available for purchase. And the book is called The Style and the Solitary. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think it's a murder mystery. And I would love to hear about it. Can you tell us about that side of your, your life and your writing? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say you're quite right that I don't just write about social anxiety. <laughs> And, and when um, someone, I, I appeared on some uh, magazine and someone wrote about me that and she writes about social anxiety and I, and I changed it. So, you know, she sometimes writes about social anxiety. Mm. I think. On the other hand, uh, in this book, Style and the Solitary, social anxiety does come into it. Oh, okay. I want to go back further, actually, because... When I finished writing uh, Social Anxiety Revealed, I began to discover how hard it is to get published. Mm. Uh, and so I sort of put the book aside and, the, and then I had the idea that I might fare better if I wrote fiction. Mm. Still being really naive, of course, because it's not easier to get published. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Anyway, as I, I didn't know anything about writing fiction at the time, but I read some books about it and then I plunged in. And my main character, who had social anxiety, he lived in Bournemouth in the UK. Um, he worked in an office there and lived alone. Mm. And I showed him in various situations, but my resulting story didn't have much of a plot. And it took me years of submitting chapters to a writing group and paying for my novel to be critiqued before I finally abandoned it. It was just as well. But the character and the and other characters and the settings all remain with me. And I searched for a plot that would be good. Mm. So one idea I had came from the question what if my character was the suspect in a murder case? Ooh. And the other question, the other idea was, what if my character was sent to Japan on work? Oh. So the second idea won. And, and that turned into my novel, Cultivating a Fuji, mm. um, which was first published in 2019. Um, Martin who isn't used to speaking at all, is sent to sell software, a software product to a Japanese company. No one believes he can pull it off. Mm. And he doesn't believe it either. Yet he does. And that's just the beginning. So 
that's all about cultivating a Fuji, which is available on Amazon. And anyway, the first idea continued to intrigue me. So I couldn't use the same character because cultivating a Fuji follows him to the end of his life. Oh. So I changed him. And he still has social anxiety, but he has a different profession. And in particular, he lives in a different place in Jerusalem, where mm. I live. And that's just as well, because I wrote the novel in 2020, and um, there wasn't much traveling allowed so, yeah. uh, to be able to do the research in my city. But uh, in any case, I, I love Jerusalem. There's so much to say about it, and it definitely makes the story. Wow. So that's it. Uh, style style in the solitary and my character who is now called Asaf is accused of murder mm. and because he has social anxiety he's unable to defend himself oh wow but fortunately there's one person who believes in him she's called Natalie and she's a new immigrant from France mm. um and she's certain that Asaf is innocent and determines to do all she can to get him released. The power of belief features strongly in this story. And um, it's sort of similar, uh, well, the, the story is based on, on uh, Beauty and the Beast, which oh. is also the power of belief. Well, they're loosely based on it yeah. anyway. So that main character, who is now called herself, is still a main character, but I think Natalie is even more of a main character. So both of those books, as of April 26th, will be available um, pretty much Amazon. everywhere? Amazon? Yeah. Okay, Amazon, yeah. Uh, don't worry about trying to remember you guys. I'm going to put it all in the show notes, and then there'll be a post on my site with all of the links. Were there any other books or events that you wanted to, to talk about? But there's also going to be, um, what do they call it, an online uh, launch event that I'm doing with two other authors on the 6th of May. Is that Ladies Who Launch? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll make sure to include that because this will be out before that. So that takes us to the end of the questions. Thank you so, so much. Um, I really appreciate that you came on. It means a lot to me that you were willing to to trust me and trust listeners to come on and share your story. Thank you for interviewing me. Um, I have to say, as, as interviews go, it was one of the easiest. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think you did great. I think listeners will get so much out of this. And last question is, where can we find you online if listeners want to get to know you a little bit better? Oh, well, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and uh, lots of other places. And then uh, there's my website and blog and uh, a few videos that I've put on uh, YouTube. Yeah, there's a little like a two minute video on YouTube that you posted where you're talking about the book Social Anxiety Revealed and then like you bring social anxiety on as a character and then she goes off and <laughs> it's really, it's really cute. I'm for sure going to include that. So thank you. Just thank you. Big thank you again for doing this. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I hope you found it helpful. Anxiety thrives on avoidance, and we can take back our power by just showing up like you did today. Remember that you are probably underestimating how strong and wonderful you are, and you're probably overestimating how perfect and put together other people are. So show up scared. Show up imperfect. Just show up. And while you're at it, come find me on Instagram at your social anxiety bestie so we can be awkward together. <laughs>